Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. I'm really happy to be here with you. We've got a great show in store. Happy Friday. Happy football week. You know, we kicked it off with Coach Mark Richt, and we continue it today. Oh, y'all, I'm so stoked. But before we jump into today's conversation, I want to take a moment to tell you about one of our amazing partners, BetterHelp. Are there things in your life that are interfering with your health and your happiness or keeping you from reaching your goals? If we've been friends for a while, you know this, but I have found counseling to be so, so helpful in those seasons. I think you will too. BetterHelp is here for you. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist who you can connect with in a convenient, safe, and private online environment. You can send your therapist a message anytime and you'll receive timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you start communicating within 24 hours. You can schedule weekly or video phone sessions. It's so convenient, y'all. I love that. BetterHelp prioritizes facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change counselors if you need to. And the testimonials on their website are so helpful if you feel unsure about how it all works. BetterHelp offers services for clients all over the world, and they have licensed professional therapists that specialize in a wide variety of disciplines like depression or stress, grief, self-esteem, anxiety, family issues, and more, which means that the right help is available for whatever you're walking through. This is not self-help and it's not a crisis hotline. It's convenient, professional, affordable, confidential counseling. I want you to start living a healthier life today. So as one of my friends, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash that sounds fun. Join over 1 million people and so many of our friends who've taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash that sounds fun. And just a reminder that tickets are on sale right now for the That Sounds Fun podcast tour that kicks off at the end of this month. I can't wait. If you haven't gotten yours yet, what are you waiting for? I can't wait to see you in Philly and Baltimore and, and, and the West Coast. Listen, we're going Gulf Coast, East Coast, West Coast. I can't wait. Go to AnnieFDowns.com slash events for all the details and to grab your tickets today. Today on the show, as I said, we continue in what I call my Mount Rushmore of college football conversations, talking with Kirk Herbstreet. Kirk Herbstreet's a football commentator for ESPN and pretty well established as one of the faces and voices of college football, both as a member of the critically acclaimed College Game Day show, as well as the lead analyst for ESPN and ABC Sports primetime game broadcast. He is the most honored ESPN commentator in the network's history. And we won't hold it against him, but he did play and graduate from the Ohio State University. I've heard and watched him for so much of my football love and life. So it's especially fun to get to spend time with him today and hear about his new book, Out of the Pocket, Football, Fatherhood, and College Game Day Saturdays. I can't wait for y'all to get to know him too. So we start with a big conversation about the Georgia game on Saturday. So here's my conversation with our friend, Kirk Herbstreit. Well, I read your book and it's great. So I'm really oh, stoked to get you. to talk about it. I think awesome. I think it's thank I think so many people are gonna love it. Oh, good. Okay, good. we're starting with the Georgia conversation though, Kirk Herbstreet. <laughs> talk to me about why every time you bring game day to a Georgia game, we lose. Oh my gosh. It's so true. It's so true. <laughs> remember remember when uh one time they they did a blackout and they wore like black jerseys or something like that and it got killed by yes. I think Alabama maybe yes. uh, out. man I I have to have the bear look that up to see what George's record is when we come to Athens I love the town don't worry Great. I already did the research for you, <laughs> you? we're oh and 
We are O and when y'all come to town or when you're at the SEC championship, we're O. No way. Yes. Yes. I looked it up last night because I was at the game. The first time you came, I was at the game, October 10th, 1998. I was a freshman at Georgia. We were playing Tennessee. And I remember when they announced game day was coming to Athens. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. It was it was huge. It was like it was all anyone talked about that week because I think Tennessee was we were both top 10 at the time. And then they destroyed us. Oh, my gosh. I remember that Champ Bailey was on that team. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Uh, t- that, was, uh, that was Tennessee's uh, run to a national championship. Yes. Uh, Jim Donnan was the head coach. I remember that well. We uh, we were in the end zone. If you're looking from the home side, uh-huh. we were in the end zone to the left for game day. Uh, it's very different now. They, um, you know, they have big – they have stands now. It's a whole different – uh, it's like a whole different stadium, but back then it, that state that side of the stadium was open, so yeah. we had our game day set uh, right there. But I didn't realize you guys are over. You know, over. week one, week one will be in Charlotte. It's a neutral site. Does that count? Uh, as, listen, uh, if you think that's neutral, that's like calling Jacksonville neutral. They're in a world <laughs> where Jacksonville is neutral for Georgia, Florida. Yeah, it's like a 19-minute right. drive for them and a five-hour drive yeah. for us. <laughs> right. It is not exactly. neutral. And I so that's, wait, so y'all are at Clemson, Georgia? Oh yeah. Shoot, uh, Kirk. Yeah. And I'm calling that game that night oh, too. No. Yeah. Now has Georgia have we ever done Georgia when Georgia's on the road and they win on a game day? Have they, no, has that ever only happened? SEC championship when we didn't win. My gosh. Just I feel like the a jinx. I feel like a jinx now. This is unbelievable. Unfortunately, this is what I needed to tell you is I think <laughs> you're the jinx. <laughs> Oh, man. I'm this real discouraged be, about you being at Clemson, Georgia. I, I feel a lot of pressure now going to Charlotte. Like, we need to break break the jinx. Like, Is this, this going to be the new thing with Georgia Clemson? Is this neutral? Or is this the start of the season neutral? Yeah, I think it's just, you know, these neutral site games that, um, you know, as you were a kid when I was younger. I mean, Georgia and Clemson, they're so close to one another. Uh, people don't realize that that aren't maybe in that region, but that is that is a great old rivalry yeah. that they used to play all the time and gotten away from it. So I think for those fans of those two teams, as you know, that this will be a fun game. But yeah, I don't think it's going to be an every every year okay, good. Uh, type of thing. Little Annie story for you. I got the worst sunburn of my life at Death Valley because I sat up way high and yeah. just sunburned my face worse oh. than that place. Oh, yeah. Because it's those early August, September games and they're brutally hot. Yeah. I called, I, if you're talking about the game, Todd Gurley. Uh, yes. There. Yeah. I, I called that game too. I don't remember. Did you, Clemson probably won that one too. It did, um, actually. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to know the times we've done game day when Clemson, when Georgia's been on, like, not at a neutral site, yeah, but on not. the road. Have they ever won on game day? Like, have, they ever, have we ever done a Georgia game when they won? I don't like, think e- so. I didn't go that deep. I just I just Googled it twice. And so I, okay. I can give you everything I learned twice. Okay. Only because I remember it because the year that— Now, uh, no. I'm going re- to have our guy research Get it there. to find out <laughs> ever— if they've ever won right. when, we've, when we've done a game day. Cause I feel, I feel like our show is responsible for this. Now, now I'm, I'm nervous are. about this game now. Like, As I feel are. like I, I've got a duty to try to break this jinx. Thank you. I need you to carry this weight with me because I've been feeling <laughs> it for 24 hours thinking oh, about man. talking to you. That Tell me how brutal. you feel about Georgia for this year. 
I, I mean, how can you not like him? Kirby, it's crazy to think Kirby's in his sixth year now. That's um, wild, isn't it? I cannot believe I it's been that long. Yeah. I know, I know. And I, every year there, you know, there, there's, there's Alabama, there's Clemson, there's Ohio State, and then I would say there's Georgia and Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like those teams seem to, through recruiting, uh, kind of elevated themselves over everybody else. Mm-hmm. And what's remarkable, and this is when you know you have a great program, Look what Georgia has lost over the over the last year, especially on the defensive side of the ball. You know they lost the, almost their whole secondary, yes. lost great linebacker play, and here they are expected to have one of the best defenses in the SEC. And you know they've had some injuries out at wide receiver with George Pickens. Yeah, uh, you got a quarterback in JT Daniels who who looks to be the part. You know, good. looks like he finished last year very very well, and we're excited to see him hopefully healthy all year and yeah. see what he can do got great running backs the way they recruit. So, I mean, there's everything seems to be in place on paper. Now you just got to go out and you know how it is. You got to gel together and yeah. go through some adversity and hope they come through it. And uh, what better way than to play Clemson? There's a lot at stake because, you know, the loser of this game, chances are Georgia and Clemson are going to have great years. Went out, yeah. And the last thing you want to do is lose this game yes. and then get into a tiebreaker situation where – it's an either or mm-hmm. um, like one of these teams is going to advance into the playoff and one of them's not. Mm-hmm. And whoever wins the head to head matchup is obviously going to get the nod. So yeah. I don't want to say it's a deal breaker to lose this game, but you want to win this one. Uh, That's why I'm going to ask you to not go, please. <laughs> I'm going to ask you to get reassigned. <laughs> I'm canceling. I'm canceling after I, know, this I can't pay you what they pay you to be there, but I can ask some people. I can yeah. ask around. Some, yeah. some of the fancier it. Georgia fans, I can call Lady A and get them to yeah. maybe invest in you not being there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, whatever it takes, man. Right? Whatever, whatever it takes. Because listen, I was yeah. born in 1980, so we, I, in my life, there has not been a national championship for Georgia, and oh, it is, wow. it is, it's painful. Right. How about how about the national championship a couple years ago? You guys oh. were so close. I mean, so you're close. dominating the dominating the game, and and then Tua becomes Tua, yeah. you know, on a national on a national stage in front of uh, everyone. That, yeah, that yes. was quite a. Uh, Quite a, I mean, and even when he came in there, I mean, Georgia still had their chances there late in the game to win it, yes. you know, so. Okay, do you know a place outside of Nashville called Onsite? Do you know Onsite, the counseling center? No, I, I feel like I've heard of that. But yeah, I, a bunch I, of our mutual that. friends have all, because I'm in Nashville too. So a bunch okay. of our mutual friends have all been. So I was there for like an, a week-long like counseling intensive for that week, the week that Georgia oh. was in the national championship, and they let us watch it that night. And I was like, you know what? It's probably good I'm in therapy this week. Oh, my. yeah. <laughs> oh, so you didn't get a chance to go to the actual No, no, game. no. I watched it at Onsite. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's a good place to be for yeah, you. That's right. The next morning, I was like, I've got some new stuff to talk about in our small oh, group because yeah. of what I watched that, last night. That, that's about as close as you can come to climbing the mountain and then sliding down. Yeah. You know, I mean, that, they were right there. Right and I called the uh, the Rose Bowl. There you go. Yeah. I called the I called the Georgia Oklahoma game uh, a week earlier. Good. That was that looked like Oklahoma and Baker Mayfield were going to kind of have their way. Yeah. And then young Jake Fromm, uh, Sonny Michelle, and yeah. Nick Chubb. That, that was a great game. One of my favorite games that maybe I've ever called. That was tremendous. And that's a win for you. So let's do yeah. that again. Let's do that yes. again in Clemson, Georgia. 
There you go. We can win games for you. We can do this, Kirk. We're going to be all right. Yeah. When you look at across the SEC, I mean, we're going to talk about your book, by the way, but this is like so fun for me to talk sports. When you look across the SEC with Texas and Oklahoma coming, do you predict? Let me tell you what I predict and you tell me why I'm wrong. I think they'll come in in a couple. What did they come in in 23? Yeah, it's debatable at this point. Yeah. yeah, let's just say twenty-three. So, if they come in in twenty-three, are you are you predicting an east-west split by twenty-six? East-west, like as like in, two SECs. We're gonna have to split at some point. It's gonna be too big, right? I don't know. I I feel like I feel like the those are the first two big dominoes to fall in right. college football. Notre Dame is still out there. Right. What's left of the Big 12? You know, there's some pretty good brands that are left there wondering, are we still the Big 12? You know, Texas Tech and TCU and West Virginia and Iowa State and Kansas, Kansas State. So what's going to happen to the Pac-12, the Big 10, the ACC? Oh, I loved you writing about the Pac-12 in the book about how different it is now compared to two decades ago. with the. I'd never thought about that because I've always lived down here. But, man, the way you write about the Pac-12 – who it yeah. used to be versus who it is now is so interesting. Yeah, and I and I feel like right now the, everybody's terrified of what the SEC has already uh, become and what it might still become even more, you know, like how they're going to continue to grow. I feel like we might be headed to like four super conferences, like oh, 16 teams, yeah. you know, like everybody's going to have 16 teams. And then I wouldn't be surprised if they pull away from the NCAA kind of create their own governing body and then a finally find like, instead of having five conference commissioners, yeah. have just one commissioner, like the NFL has a commissioner. Yeah. And then, then you can kind of create your own rules and, and kind of be in your own world. I, it feels like we're headed down that path, but uh, you know, it'd be weird. It's just, the whole thing is kind of strange. I, I just hope we're able to hold on to tradition. Some of these rivalries that we all love you know, college football to me is about community. Yeah. It's about pageantry. It's about tradition. And we can't lose that stuff. We can't yeah. let go of that stuff just for money, you know, right. creating as much money as we can. Um, so I, that's my hope, you know, for the sport, because that's what I, that's how I fell in love with it. You know, yeah. I fell in love with the marching bands and the tailgating and all the, the uh, just the community, how it comes together and whether you're in Athens or Columbus or Austin, Texas, or yeah. wherever you are. You know, there's guys and gals out there that have the same tailgate spot since 1978 and my dad had it. Now we have it. And it's just it's just so different from the NFL or MLB or the NBA. And uh, we need to cherish that aspect of the sport. And I feel like sometimes it gets lost because of because of uh, we're kind of raising a generation, a different kind of fan today than, than I think, you know, what it used to be. Will you talk about, I didn't know this tradition at Ohio State, will you talk about dotting the I in the marching band? I'd never heard about that until I read it in your book. Y'all really? Yeah, I don't know how I missed that somehow. I guess I've never been to an Ohio State game, but I didn't know that was, but it's a huge deal to dot the I. Yeah, so for Ohio State fans, the script Ohio itself is as big as the team playing, Mm -hmm. like it's a huge deal Ah. from the time you're four years old, you go to the games, like everybody loves to see that. First of all, the band, like here's the team ranking. And then I would say the band's like right there. Like most places you go, the band, the band's down here. Like no one one leaves at halftime 
to go get a hot dog because nobody wants to miss the band. Huh. Now the band is is like sacred. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so when they do script Ohio, everybody's up and cheering. So three, four, five times in the history of the band, somebody has been brought up, brought out to to dot the I, other than the you know, what is it that it's the tuba that they come out and, okay. and you know, they dot the I. <laughs> but um they brought I, like I told you, I think it's John Glenn, Jack Nicholas, just a handful of people that have ever done it. So yeah, pretty pretty uh, sacred, pretty pretty big deal for anybody that ever. And I got to do it in practice. Uh-huh. The band, I think in the book, I say the band came as kind of a, you know, we respect them, they respect us, we're a team. They came over near the end of our two-a-day practices, is like into camp. Yeah, and they all gave everybody a different, you know, uh, instrument. And so that was a that was a fun memory to think back to those days. Those are the things when people talk about sports and talk about the love of college football, people who don't feel what you and I feel about college football go, it's just like a game. It's these college kids playing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, y'all don't know about tailgating no. at Georgia or dotting the I or all these well, things that are so connected. Like, for example, like if, for people that are listening to this that don't, they've never been to Athens or whatever. Like, like to me, we always get to wherever we're going on a Thursday. Uh-huh. So like if, for me, the best part of my job is a guy who grew up in the Big Ten, knew, really grew up. My dad played at Ohio State. He was a captain there. I played at Ohio State. I was a captain. I knew Ohio State. I knew the Big Ten. Back in 1996, I started traveling around and, and seeing the SEC and seeing the Pac-12 and seeing the Big 12 and the ACC. And with an open mind, I fell in love with all these places, yeah. you know, going to Neyland Stadium and going to Athens. And what's cool is we go in on Thursday and we'll find out talking to different people. A lot of times it's with coaches, word of mouth. Hey, where do we know? Where do we need to go to eat? Yeah. You know, a, a crew. And and that to me is so much fun. Like when you go to Baton Rouge and you're not from Baton Rouge. Right. And you get to go down there and eat some some really good Cajun food. Yeah. It's just <laughs> tremendous uh, experience. And it just kind of plays to the whole weekend mm-hmm. of the tailgating, the people, and, and the game, of course, is a big part of it, but there's so much more to college football than just the four quarters or 60 minutes of a football game. Yeah. And if you're not, if you're listening, you've never been, just take it from Annie and I, go go out and watch and go in for a weekend somewhere yeah. and enjoy it. It's a, it's a great time. I got to go to Notre Dame, Georgia, at Notre Dame a couple of years ago. And, I, and to this day, that's probably my favorite football game I ever mm-hmm. went to because I've never been – even the environment Next at Notre year. Dame is so yeah. much grander than yeah. any of the SEC games. I mean, it was the way they everybody does push-ups on top of each other yeah. and the crowd is yeah. nuts from start to finish. It was it you just went like, yeah. man, this is this is special. Yeah, yeah. I, and I love going there because growing up it, it's different from Nashville to Ohio. You know, the the Catholic high schools in Ohio are, are intense mm-hmm. when it comes to high school football. And a lot of those kids go often if they're if they're good, you know, with uh, the academic side of it, they'll go over to South Bend and, and do their academics. Oh, well, sure. If you go to a high school football game in Ohio on a Friday night, there, there's a real sense of community, you know, with high school football. It's a huge deal. You get big crowds. When you go to Notre Dame, it feels like a high school football game because grandma and grandpa are here and mom and dad are here and they all probably either went to Notre Dame or they've been lifelong Notre Dame fans. Now it's my turn to go to Notre Dame. Like they, it's just such a family 
atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And then they love their team. Like you said, there's a lot of traditions that are really cool. Uh, and that's just one example. You know, you yeah. go all over the country and you see you see these different uh, ways that people celebrate this sport and have fun with it. What did you learn about like humanity after 2020 when football continued on and we still like what, how was last year inspiring to you or interesting to you watching football happen during 2020? Well, it, it was heroic. Um, I, I was out there on the road every week. Um, I felt the same stuff that, to a lesser degree. I had to perform only in a broadcast booth and call the game in front of many times empty stadiums, which is very bizarre uh, so situation weird. when you're used to, you know, 80,000, 100,000 people going crazy and just nothing. There's just very, very uh, small crowds, if any at all. And to be a player, and, and I don't know if fans understood, you know, during the, the, the COVID football season last year, these players often, to avoid contact tracing uh, and to avoid catching the virus, they would stay, they would stay in their apartment, a lot of times in their own apartment, they would go to the football facility. They would be isolated for the most part at the facility because you don't want to get somebody tested positive. You don't want to get dinged for contact tracing. They would practice and then they would come back in their apartment. And it got to the point where we got through the season somehow, miraculously, and I was preparing for the Ohio State Alabama National Championship, which is in early January. Season yeah. starts in August. So August, September, October, November, December, five months. And I was talking to the Ohio State captain, me and Chris Fowler, as we were yeah. getting ready for the call. And we were on a Zoom like you and I are on. And he and I have spent a lot of time with this, this player because every time we do an Ohio State game, he's the guy that one of the guys we talked to. And his name was Josh Myers. And he took his phone about halfway through and he's like, I'm just ready for this game to be over. I mean, I want to win. It's my last game. But he's like, and he pulled his phone. And he kind of went around. It was just four white walls. And he goes, I'm just tired of being in this room. He's like, I want to see my family. I want to just go hug my mom and dad. And I was just like, wow, that was so powerful for him to just, he, he, and it's it almost like he's been in isolation, mm-hmm. you know, uh, for those five months. So it, it took much more of a toll on players playing college football and coaches yeah. than I think your average person probably would, would imagine. Yeah, it was. Um, and there, I mean, the upheaval racially last year. Oh, all yeah. the, I mean, I, listen, I need to tell you, friend to friend, that moment of you on TV after that long uh, segment where you kind yeah. of expressed your emotions around what had been going on was, I mean, I, I'm sure you know this, but like people texted each other about that. Everybody said, did you just see Kirk Herbstreet and what he said? And, and it just mattered a lot. So I wanted you to know yeah. that that conversation mattered I- a ton. I appreciate that. You know, it's one of those things when you you don't even, you know, I, I'm not a talented enough, like, some, like a, a, the vocal 10 percenters out there on social media are like, you know, yeah, you know, just coming at me. And I'm right. like, what, why? Like, that's where we are, though. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. I was just expressing empathy. Yes. I was just expressing we got to do better. Mm-hmm. Right. Let, let, let's let's be kind to each other. Yeah. You know, no matter no matter what, you know, and. And it's amazing how volatile there, there's, you know, some people are right now. And, and, you know, we've never been more divided as a country in my lifetime. Yeah. I can't remember, you know, there might be certain issues that divide people, but I'm talking about you turn on the TV. I, I never really watched the news. And of course, 
during the global pandemic, you had to tune into the news. It was almost like we lived in different countries. Like you watch CNN and it's like, whoa. And then you turn over to Fox, whoa. And and I'm just like, I grew up with Walter Conkright and, you know, Peter Jennings. And I'm like, yeah. where's the person where that just tells you the news? Right. Like if you, by the way, if you know who that person is, can you shoot me a text? Like <laughs> right. I, I, I just cannot find without strong opinions or, or smart aleck takes or like, how about just let me know what's going on and, yeah. and be in the middle instead of like way over here, or way over there. Mm. And all that's doing is continuing to divide the country. So I didn't think I was going to do what I did. I, you know, as a white male at that time, I thought the best thing is to be quiet and just observe and listen and you know, not, and just maybe offer support if you can. But I, I just didn't feel like it was my time to talk. And then when I watched that feature and I watched Maria uh, Taylor, who was involved with it, uh, interviewing these guys, I and I had talked with David Shaw, who's an African-American head coach at Stanford the day before and told him about our segment. And he's like, you know, be, don't don't be afraid to be brave. You know, you got to you got to you got to perch here in college football and don't don't be afraid to use your voice and. And I was like, man, I just don't know. I still don't know if that's the right thing to do. And and I, when I started my comment, I was just going to play it safe. And then I read a quote, which he gave me. And then I was just like, oh, no, I could feel my emotion <laughs> bubbling. I yeah. was like, oh, no, here I go. And I just said, I just said whatever I said from my heart. And um, I, you know. I, I never thought I'd be on TV being emotional like that, but I think it just kind of speaks volumes for where we were at that time, you know, in society and, and just uh, not just in sport, but the country, you know, just, just hate to see us so divided. It's terrible. How does sports help bring communities like together? Where do you see, where do you see plugging your boys into sports, yourself into sports, kind of helping you understand other families and other races, other socioeconomic classes? How does sports help with that? I think it helps because we don't see color. We we see, you know, scarlet and gray or red and black or whatever whatever your colors are is what we see. And we, we're out at tailgates and we're high-fiving people we don't know about the game. Yeah. Or we're walking out of a stadium and we're hugging a person we don't even know. I mean, I know? yell go dogs any chance I get to yell go dogs <laughs> at someone who has one of our things on. But that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. you could be in South Bend, Notre Dame, and you're walking with your friends and all of a sudden you see somebody coming who's a Georgia fan, whether it's a man or a woman or a black or black uh, fan or a white fan or Hispanic yep. or Asian. You're just like you see you see black and red and you're just like, what's up? Yes. Here we go. Yes. Like, that's it. That's what sports bring right there. A, a common bond mm -hmm. where we're all excited and we're all fired up and we love our team and. And then we win together or we lose together. And it's just, a, it's just, it's so much fun to be a part of it. And um, I think that's what sports do in general, you know, and, um, and, and all those walls are knocked down. Yeah. All those walls are knocked down and we all have one goal in mind and that's to cheer on our team, yeah. you know, and, and, and have fun doing it. It's beautiful. It was, and I, I think the other thing you taught me last fall in that segment was the power of earning trust for a long time. Cause you know, many of us have been friends with you through our TV for 15 <laughs> years, 20 years. Right. Yeah, and 25, so, yeah. yeah, 25, there you go. And so because I already believed you, I could hear you. 
last fall. Do you know what I mean? And so I I think that mattered a lot. I think the amount of time you've put in to telling us the truth about sports made me believe you when you told me the truth about your experience and your response to the racial iniquity and problems in the country. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you saying that. That, That's, that's cool to hear. Cause I, you know, you just never know when you, it's like this book, like when you get vulnerable you don't know how it's going to be received, yeah. you know, because it's not common. Right. It's not common for people to tell you to open up their heart. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, and so how people respond to that, it's going to be different. You know, like I, I, like I told you, I had some people on social media, you know, calling me a Marxist and I'm like, I haven't been, I haven't been to high school history class. I'm like, <laughs> I had to go look up. I Googled right. what, what is, is that a bad thing? Or is right. that a compliment? I, right. I don't know what it is. Right. And, and I'm like, uh, man, really? I, mm-hmm. because I said what I said, like that, that yeah. was just blew me away that, yeah. that people were, uh, but again, I've learned, you don't take things personally. This is the world that we live in. It, right. it is a cynical world. There are people that are just mad to be mad, mm-hmm. you know? And and I think it's very safe if you live in the public eye, just not to take things personally. Yeah. And, and when you open up like that, you're going to, you're going to have some, that lunatic fringe is going to, is going to tap on your shoulder a little bit and you've got to, you've got to, you know, be ready to endure that. So even thinking about your book, Out of the Pocket, I mean, it's been out for a week now. What has it been like hearing people respond to your vulnerability? Because you, I was very impressed with how deeply you told stories in this book. Honestly, it's I've I've been like pleasantly blown away. Yeah. Marty Smith wrote a, wrote a book about his dad and just growing up, and he did that a year or two ago. And he 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 warned me, or in a good way, he said, "You're gonna you're gonna be blown away by." how many people you don't know reach out to you and, and thank you and tell you, mm-hmm. man, I can relate to this story or I can relate to that story. He's like, you're going to, he's like, you're going to help so many people with yeah. their own emotions and their own feelings. And I was like, I, I hope I didn't really know, understand what he was saying. And here we are five or six days since the book came out. And I, I kind of feeling that, you know, I I've, I've never really, you know, done something like this and you wonder how it'll be received. And every single message that I've gotten up to this point has been encouraging and, and appreciative. And and really at the end of the day, the reason I decided to be vulnerable and open up and talk about, you know, my story and the dysfunction and stuff that I was around as a kid is because maybe there are other people that went through that, or maybe as an adult, mm-hmm. someone's going through that story right now and they're, yeah. they're going through a divorce and they're worried about how their kids are going to respond or whatever it might be. Uh, maybe somebody has a kid who is like me, painfully shy and to a point where you're worried about them. They're so shy that that was me, you know? And, and so, you know, things like that. I went and saw a sports psychologist when it wasn't cool, you know, back in 1990, yeah. 91 to see a psychologist it's, it's still not really cool, you know, to, to tell people you see a psychologist. And here I was looking over my shoulder, trying to cope with, you know, being a quote unquote bust my first two or three years at Ohio State and letting my dream of playing at Ohio State evaporate. And I needed that person to talk to. So there's a lot of stuff that, you know, you open up uh, about. And then when you, you, you get these messages from people, like I said, it's just, uh, it's the whole reason I I decided to to do it. And the whole reason I wanted to show this other side of me, people see me sitting next to Lee Corso for as long as however you can remember in a tie, 
in a sport coat or a suit. And it's like, oh man, look at that guy. He's got it all figured out. It's like, no, no, no. You know, I, I've been through some stuff and here's what I've been through. So yeah. it just, uh, um, hopefully people can relate. That's all. Will you tell the story about deciding between the medical sales job and taking the, it was it the ESPN job? Was that the, no, it was the radio. Yeah. Yeah. yeah will so, you tell that? Because I think so many of our friends listening think what you said, that we see you in a suit and we see you successful and no one knows that you made this one choice to do something that you love that shaped your whole life. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I feel like people get forks in the road in life and we don't really know the answer until we go make a left or a right. That's right. And in my case, I was a business major at Ohio State, a marketing uh, major, and I got out of uh, school in June. Well, before June, in like May, April, May, and June, I was doing some interviews with pharmaceutical sales, medical sales, a company called Worthington Industries. I was kind of fine following the conventional path. This is what you're supposed to do. I wasn't going to go play in the NFL. I was a business major. Ohio State helped me out with some interviews. I was doing pretty well. Got a second and a third interview to the point where a couple of the companies offered me a job. Well, in the middle of that, I floated the idea to a local AM radio station. Uh, I'd love to help you out if uh, if you ever needed a guy to be on the radio. Mm-hmm. And they got back to me around like July and I had already graduated. I was ready to accept one of these other jobs. And I told the radio station, they said, Hey, we, we would love to bring you in, but you can't do another job and do this job. Mm -hmm. We're going to pay you $12,000, no benefits, really no future, but we'd like to try to give it a try and, and do it for a year and see how it goes. Well, then I told the business opportunities, they said, you can't do radio. So basically I had to make a choice one or the other. Every person I talked to, parents, friends, everybody told me to take the business opportunity and stability and a future. Nobody told me to take that radio. And I was ready to do that. And then I just kept thinking over and over and over. And I said, you know what? I just, I want to follow my passion. I want to follow something I love to do. I wasn't really worried. I didn't come from any money. $12,000 sounded like plenty of money to me. So I just decided I'm going to go do this radio show, having no idea what it might lead to. And I passed on the more lucrative uh, business opportunities. And I I took a chance um, in doing this radio show. And I did it for about a year. And I was making $12,000 living in an apartment with two of my buddies. And that, that was kind of how I got my foot in the door and and things changed drastically for me. You know, another door opened up and then another door opened up. And a couple years later, which was moving pretty quickly, I was at ESPN and, and, um, you know, I've, I've been there now for 26 years. Hey friends, just interrupting this conversation real quick to share about another one of our incredible partners, Chime. We're real careful about how we use the word should around here. You know this. But here's the thing that we can all agree should not happen. Your online checking account should not cost you money. So luckily, Chime is here for us. Chime is an award-winning app and debit card that has no overdraft fees, foreign transaction fees, monthly service fees, or transfer fees. They have over 60,000 fee-free in-network ATMs. That's more than the top three national banks combined, y'all. And their locations we're all popping into all the time, like Walgreens, 7-Eleven, they have Coke slushies, a CVS, and more everywhere. They're V-convenient. 
You can also send money to anyone, even if they aren't on Chime. No fees for you or cash out fees for them. It's time to say goodbye to hidden fees. Join the millions of Americans already loving Chime. Sign up takes only two minutes and doesn't affect your credit score at all. So get started today at Chime.com slash That Sounds Fun. That's Chime.com slash That Sounds Fun. Banking services provided by and debit card issued by the Bancorp Bank or Stride Bank NA, members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees apply except at MoneyPass ATM and a 7-Eleven location and at any all-point or Visa Plus Alliance ATM. Other fees such as third-party and cash deposit fees may apply. And now back to our conversation with Kirk Herbstreet. Throughout the book, you kind of tell these stories of leaps of faith of that kind of moment. And even with Allie, you talk about that, like she called you and said, come to this bar and you don't ever do that kind of stuff. And, and you do. And so I I just thought it was so interesting as I was reading it, Kurt, I was thinking he just like repeatedly does the leap of faith. Like, is it, is it harder than it seems? Yeah. For, for, well, I'm a big, when I, I talk to a lot of people at this stage of my life, a lot of people will call me and ask for advice on, on different things. And, I, I, you know, and I'm, you know, these are coaches. These are just people that are, they've got a decision. Do I take this job? What do you think? Just wanted to talk to you about it. And I, and I, my thing is with that, what I've learned is I love to weigh the pros and the cons, even to get a piece of paper and, you know, I'll write down the pros and the cons of, of a big decision that you have to make. And, you know, I, I like to sit there and, and really like live in it for a yeah. week and, and, or however much time you might have a few days and, and, and look at it on this side and look at it this side. And then at the end of the day, I'm very big on my gut. Like yeah. what, what does my gut say? And so after I weigh all the options, you even pray on it, you think about it, what, what's inside your gut. And I follow my gut. So I, I'm just, very, and once I follow my gut, I never look back. That's right. Just, once you I, do it, it's like, we're going. Yep. Yeah. I'm doing it. I'm not, I'm not going, well, I could have done. No, I'm just, I'm going and I, I trust my gut. And it, I don't know, I've, I've, I've done that. And I've had, I've had a lot of success uh, doing that. And, um, and I, I, that's why I try to encourage people to try to follow that instinct. or so that inner voice that sometimes mm-hmm. is talking to you. I, we send an email on Fridays to a bunch of people. It's called the AFD Week in Review. And we tell them who we're interviewing the next week so they can ask questions. And so in our set of questions that came in for you, I mean, there's probably four of them that would love for you to talk about that. Kind of like you said, you know, you pray about decisions. Like, where does your faith line up with your job? Like, how have you seen your faith intersect with all, with being a sports broadcaster, with being a dad, with being a husband? Like, how does that play in? It's huge. I mean, I think it's everything you do. It's every aspect of your life. I think there are better seasons than others. Yeah. You know, like I, I find when I'm praying and 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 meeting with my my men's group on Zoom these days on Thursday mornings, and we're going over scripture together, and we're pour, we're pouring out, you know, what's going on in our lives. Like when I'm doing that, I don't know. I just feel like I'm at peace with yeah. with every aspect of my life, whether it's being a dad, being a husband, being a friend, um, doing doing my job. Mm-hmm. And I'm just I'm just really big on trying to be a light um, in, in a really kind of fallen world. You know, yeah. I, I, you, ever, you ever meet these people that when you talk to them, you, you know, it's almost like there's something coming out of their eyes. Like it's just a a 
a peace that they have that that it's like they have the answers to to things and they're not trying to brag about it. It's just a, it's just a joy. You know what I mean? And I, I've always been so impressed when I, when I meet people like that, that are genuine, it's, it's, they're not trying to impress anybody. They're not wearing certain clothes to impress people or driving a certain car. Mm -hmm. It's just like, it's coming out of their aura. It's just them. And I've just always tried to pattern myself off of that. And like I said, there are moments that are better uh, days or than others. But um, I feel like just walking by strangers and trying to be upbeat and joyful yeah. and happy can have an impact. And and so why not, I don't know, why not try to be that guy right. or gal as opposed to being cynical or negative or, mm-hmm. or, or you know, letting this, this world we live in, um, which again, it hits us all sometimes, but just overcome you. So I think by by having faith, it allows you to endure some of the the moments that we're in, and try to be uh, a light in other people's life. You know, and I, I I always have tried to do that, and I'll I'll always try to continue to be that, and just try to be a, a positive example. I feel like I, the longer I know God, the more I feel like I can trust my gut too. I feel like the older yeah. I get, I kind of go like, Hey, you you've checked into this for a while now. You you're a little more reliable than you were at twenty. Yeah. Right. So (laughs) one of the things you do beautifully in the book, Kurt, is there's you give so much space to other people who've mattered to you, like Coach Corso, your dad, I mean, your teammates. I mean, you just go through listing all these teammates. Tell me why. Tell me why you spent so much of your book talking about other people. Um, just because, you know, I don't think any of us are where we are with without them, right? Mm -hmm. I, I mean, and I I feel like for me, I don't know how you feel, but you know, the older generation, I, I feel like I love to listen to what they have to say because they've been through more than we have. Yeah. You know, they they have wisdom, you know, and I and I feel like we live in a generation of this internet era of of phones and things are moving fast. And if it doesn't come within 15 seconds, I'm on to the next thing. And I don't know. I think sometimes I just like to be a little bit slower and I like to sit down and have a conversation. I like to listen to what people have to say, you know, and, and whether it's your dad or, or a guy like Lee Corso has had a big impact on me or my uncle Rick, or I don't know. I, I, I just find that there's real value in that. And so I, I'm not standing where I'm standing today, my career without all these people that helped me. And and I think um, that in writing this book, it was a nice way for me to to kind of recognize a lot of people that that helped me along the way. And and some people I had to overcome. You know, there, there were coaches in my life. Oh my and, gosh, those coaches from Ohio State. You like said their yeah. real names and everything, Kirk Herbstreit. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I wrote the guy's name down because I was like, he is ripping this guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did. I and I haven't spoken with him. I I I'm sure he's gonna hear about it. And and even uh, yeah, he's gonna hear about yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. And I even talked, you know, about Brent Musburger. I was really yeah, honest you were. about Brent. You know, I mean, I grew up watching Brent. Brent was like, my gosh, when they told me I was gonna work with him in 2006, I was just flabbergasted that I was gonna work with him. And then it it became you know, kind of challenging as, as I went. And I, I, it was interesting to work with one guy in Lee Corso at that same age and another guy in Brent Musburger. And one of them was like, 
hugging me from day one. And another one was like, some days he was okay. And other days he, he wasn't. And it was just, I was trying, I mean, I had my hat in my hand. I was very respectful. I was very like, you're Brett Musburger, you know, my gosh, I can't believe it wasn't like I was cocky or it wasn't like I was like, there's a new sheriff in town. Like I was <laughs> nothing like that. I was the opposite. And yet it's just, I don't know, just wasn't there. So we worked together fine on the air. I think if everybody, anybody ever listened to us call a game, totally. it was fine, but there, there wasn't that just, there wasn't that. And, um, and so, you know, you come, you, you, you in life, all of us go through relationships and, and some, man, it's just, it's a game changer in a positive way. And then there's others that you got to try to kind of navigate and endure and hold on and figure out and make the best of it. And um, the people that I, I recognized that they just made a huge difference in my life. Like a guy named Paul Spahn, I called him Moose. Yeah. Um, you know, he was a guy at Channel 10 that like was teaching me how to, uh, how to do TV. And, and when I didn't know, I didn't have any TV experience and I still to this day really have never read teleprompter in my life, except on that Sunday night weekend yeah. rap show. I had to learn how to read teleprompter. And, you know, I was reading it like that when I first started and he just kept encouraging me and helping me. And so, um, yeah, there, Terry Smith was the voice of the Buckeyes. He was like my first mentor in the business. So I don't know. I just felt that it was really cool to be able to like, hey, guys, yeah, look, I'm here now, but I didn't forget you. Th- thanks for helping me out along the way. I, th- I thought it was an important thing to do. Yeah, it's it's so fun. I We share Samantha Ponder. And so I texted Sam yeah. last night, and I was like, tell me what I don't know about Kirk Herbstreit. And she sent back <laughs> four paragraphs about how good you have been to her. And <laughs> and like how and you holding Scout and how much you mean to her family. She's like, he'll always be a brother to me. I mean, it was like, yeah, that's cool. It was really I've cool. Lo- I loved working with Sam. Sam was awesome. She so talented, so natural, you know, as far as on camera. And I mean, I, I when she left, I mean, it, it was a given, you know, in her role that she was going to go on to bigger and and better things. But uh, yeah, she was. She was like, it's funny you say Big Brother. To me, she was like a little sister. She yeah. reminded me of that character, Denzel Washington. Oh, remember uh, the Titans? Remember the, remember the Titans, the, the daughter? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that, that to me is Sam, that's Sam Ponder. Totally, like that is, you're like, exactly right. You know, exactly like she's right. like, what are we doing? Why are we going for it on South Town? I mean, what's going on? Like she just, she was, she's all about it. Like she knows it's what's awesome. going on. It's, it's She's not faking it. Like yeah. she's all in. She's all in. Um, here's the I'm other person I'd love for you to talk about. Will you talk about Coach Richt? Because our crowd just heard him. He just came on the show. Will you talk about what you've seen in him as a coach? I just, you know, how can you not love him? I knew him as an offensive coordinator when I first was in the business. Oh, sure. At Florida State and um, watched them. When I first came into uh, to, to national TV on game day, Florida State was Alabama. I yeah. mean, Bobby Bowden had them rolling every year. You know, I was there in 96, 97, 98, 99, and they either were in the national championship winning it or they were just, you know, losing uh, in the championship. So they were an elite program and he was the offensive coordinator and just from day one, uh, another guy that that has strong faith. I don't know. I, I just always really enjoyed my time being around him and his 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 personality. You know, he was always very encouraging to me, even when I was really young. And then he became the Georgia head coach and obviously had a great run uh, in Athens. Mm-hmm. And um, then he went to Miami. And I've just always loved being around him, loved listening to him talk football. Uh, David Pollock, who's a buddy and a former yeah. Georgia Bulldog. 
talks about, he's like, man, he's like, you know, you don't realize coach Frick's got a competitive side to him. Like, you know, we used to play racquetball or whatever. Like he, you know, he seems like an all shucks kind of guy. He's like, but man, you don't want to get sideways with him. And I was like, wow, really? I think I've never seen that side of him. I'm glad to hear, you know, obviously with all the success he's had, he has to have that kind of competitive spirit. Mm-hmm. But uh, a couple of weeks ago when Bobby Bowden passed, I went down to Tallahassee uh, for the, for the ceremony, um, not for his, he had, they had a two or three ceremonies, but on Saturday it was more of a celebration. Mm-hmm. And I just went down to pay my respects because I was so fond of him. And um, the, the speakers that day where uh, Charlie Ward, who won a Heisman for him, Warwick Dunn, who was a superstar. Oh, yeah. I remember from, him from Falcons days. Loved yeah, him. Yeah. yeah and, Derek, and Derek Brooks, who was a Hall of Fame yeah. player. And to hear them all speak, none of them talked about football. They all talked about how he, he was there for them as a father figure, Coach Bowden, and how he brought them all to, to, to God. And, and, and then uh, Mark Rick got up to speak and, mm-hmm. You know, he he was so impressive uh, and, and, you know, he's speaking so softly and, you know, you're on the edge of your seat listening to every word that he said. And he told some incredible stories about how he he was kind of lost. He was caught up in the coaching profession and and he said being around Bobby Bowden, watching how he acted every day. He's like, whatever he has, I want that, you know, and and. Uh, he, he said he walked into his office one day and he's like, I need Christ. I'm just, I'm falling, I'm broken. And I, I, I need what you're talking about. And he said, Bobby Bowden literally brought him to that relationship and changed his life from that day. He walked in and knocked on his door as an assistant coach. He said, changed his life from that day moving forward. And he was very emotional um, mm-hmm. talking about Bobby Bowden and, and how he impacted him and in such a positive way. But yeah, Mark Rick's one of the all timers, great man. Yeah, I feel like, uh, not to make you feel weird, but between you and him, I feel like this fall I'm kind of getting my Mount Rushmore of college football on the podcast. <laughs> I don't know I who else it. to ask for. I feel like I've done That's it. Great. I've done it. Is there anything we didn't say about the book that you want to make sure we say? No, no. I, like I said, I think it, you, you touched on all of it. It was just, it's more, it's not just a football book or a broad, you know, story about broadcasting. It's really more about people who go through some tough times in yeah. life and, and um, just how you evolve and, and, and learn to kind of get knocked down and get back up. I, I really feel as parents, sometimes we're guilty, myself included, with four boys, mm-hmm. of, of being a snowplow parent, meaning you're trying to prevent your kids from going through failures. Sure. You're trying to prevent your kids from having that bad teacher in third grade. It's not your kid's fault. It's the, this is a bad teacher. We got to get him out of there and get him over to this teacher. Or he's on a team where he's not playing as much as you'd hope. So we're going to get him off of that team and go get him on that team. I, I just feel like as hard as it is, and it's been hard for me to watch our kids fail, they need to fail. You know, they, they need to go through tough times. And uh, it's hard today. With social media, the, there's these apps and kids can pull it up and Snapchat and they can see, oh, gosh, 10 of my friends are over at my friend's right. house. and I, I didn't get invited. Now that's messed up. It still and, happens to me, and, Kurt. <laughs> Does it happen to you too? Like, I'll see yeah. pictures and be like, oh man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But when you're nine, when you're 10, kid, 11, 12, yeah. I mean, it's painful. And so yeah. these parents, they're proactively trying to not let kids be left out. And it's, my point is, I just, it's okay to let them fail. It's okay to, to, to let them 
you know, not come through the way you had hoped or they had hoped and then have a conversation about it. Again, I'm not acting like I have all the answers at all. I'm just saying for a guy that failed a lot, went through a lot. I look back at those failures. I look back at those those tough times and I'm, I'm I have gratitude and, and I'm thankful that I went through those times. And I worry about our kids, mine included. Are we letting them fall down enough? Are we letting them make mistakes enough because they need those those moments to really grow and develop into becoming having core values of perseverance and work ethic yes. and what it takes to be successful and sometimes i think we miss we miss the mark on that yeah i mean the only way you grow resilience is by failing yeah. And so we want everybody to be resilient, but we don't want them to hurt. I want to be resilient, but I don't want to hurt. <laughs> so <laughs> right. I get it. It's, it's a catch-22 because catch right. it's, it's, it's hard, nothing worse than watching your kid oh, I would uh, hurt. You know, that, that, that's really, that's yeah. tough, but sometimes it's, it's required. But that, that's it. No, I appreciate you having me, and we will try our best Listen. on September 4th in Charlotte. I Gotta we're we're going to really have a conversation afterwards if this doesn't go well, Kirk Herbstreit. You're, <laughs> you're going to have I a will, new curse. I will call you. Okay. I will call you for a congratulations. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> or I will be like, I'm That's sorry. Right. That's right. I apologize. Um, let me ask you our final question. We always ask everybody, because the show is called That Sounds Fun, tell me what sounds fun to you. Anytime I go on a my one vice for a guy that didn't grow up with money and now has a little bit of money, my one vice is vacationing with my family. Yeah. And probably my most fun is snow skiing, uh, you know, whether it's Deer Valley or Telluride or Beaver Creek. I love to be out in the mountains. I love to be, whether it's the summer or the winter. Yeah. Um, I could see me when I, you know, maybe my next chapter in life being somewhere out there because I, I just, there's something about being out west I just love. Yeah. So, that's uh, that sounds fun to me. Y'all can't leave Nashville yet. We just got Julio Jones. Things are just turning right for us, <laughs> Titans fans. They're about to get serious. I they know. Are. So you got to stick around long enough to see what Julio does for us. <laughs> Our pastor a couple of weeks ago was saying, um, "Thanks to God for this. Thanks God for this." And he said, "And thanks to Julio for coming." Out. <laughs> I was like, "You cannot say that, Kevin Queen." <laughs> That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Trip. Well, they got a chance. I know. They, they got a chance to have a great you, you, the dogs and the Titans. You got a chance to have a fun year. I'm a Falcons girl at heart, but I'm working on trying to be a Titans girl because I've been here for 13 years. I should transition over at yeah. some point. Thanks again for doing this. I'm really grateful. Yeah. You've been a good voice in yeah. my life, and it's great to meet you. So thanks for doing this. Uh, all right. Thanks very much. Have a great week. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Oh, you guys, isn't he so cool? Ah, I just like this week. Y'all know. Do you hear it in my voice? This week is so cool to me to get to talk to Coach Mark Rick and Kirk Herbstreet in the same week. Oh, I just, I love this conversation. What a good dude. Hey, be sure to pick up a copy of Out of the Pocket, Kirk's new book. I think you're really going to love it. I read the whole thing and really enjoyed it. Make sure you're following him on social media. Tell him thanks so much for being on the show. And for all my Clemson fans out there, I mean... I hope he is not lucky for you. <laughs> I hope he's lucky for my Georgia Bulldogs this weekend. If you need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you may need me. That's how you can find me wearing my red and black. 
And I think that's it for me today, friends. Go out or stay home and do something that sounds fun to you. I'll do the same. Cheer for my dogs this weekend. Have a great holiday weekend if you are in the U.S. And we'll see you back here on Monday on Labor Day with the show with my friend, Lisa Whittle. We'll see y'all then. Go dogs, sick of them. Yeah.